Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content you can subscribe to this podcast and most of the time you can just do it from your phone from itunes click subscribe and write a review this really helps us continue this path and this journey and we love doing it so much and again i'm so grateful that you're here let us know what you thought thanks for listening nothingness and really the name is actually a name I was born as the name Sara that was my name growing up Persian name S-A-R-A without the ha and I actually when I I used to live in Bali I like so after I went to college I kind of just like left and was like I can't do America I can't do anything and I was working online I was like doing health coaching and I had like a blog I had like 30 writers under me I started this blog when I was like 20 and um so I went to Bali and there I had the like serious, I knew about the spiritual stuff, but it wasn't until I was like living in a jungle with no one else around me that spoke English that I really had to go inward. And that just changed everything for me, made me rethink the way I was raised, the way I was conditioned, everything. And it also made me rethink my name. And I was like, wait, I don't even really like my name. And like, I'm going around and everywhere I meet, this is the first thing I have to say. And I'm repeating it, I'm writing it down. It's everywhere and I don't even like it. And I, my parents named me Sara because it could be pronounced in every language. Sarah, Sarah, Sara. It, it was just an easy name. And my parents were immigrants from Iran. So I was like, I don't want to just be easy. That's like basic. <laughs> That's basic. So yeah. So I was in breath work and I had, so while I was in Bali, I used to love to belly dance when I was in high school and I stopped doing it because my parents were like, Oh, like a girl should not be belly dancing. Like, yeah. don't show your body. Like, you know, cause they're from the Middle East. It's seen as a belly dancer is like a prostitute for them. So I stopped doing it. And then when I was in Bali, I found a belly dance teacher and I just started like, you know, going to her classes and I was in this breath work and I had this vision of myself being a belly dancer in a harem and I wasn't allowed to leave. And there were like these beautiful doors, but they were doors and I wanted to go outside so badly and I was trapped in there. 
And I realized like, this is like my life. Like this is like, I want to leave and I want to see more and I want to be more, but I'm like stuck in this frame of like who I was brought up to be. And I was just like, I'm going to let it all go. And I just literally, it was like a file cabinet of my brain of opening up a drawer, like, oh, like relationship with men. How do I feel about that? I actually don't like any of this. And like just re-changing, like rewiring my brain. Yeah. And that's when I started receiving kind of the downloads. So I went to Bali and I was already on this Ayurvedic path and I felt the need to write a book to modernize Ayurveda though I was still learning Ayurveda. So I was studying in India before. Anything I would learn, I would translate it into the way that we talk. Like they would be like, oh, Agni, digestive fire, da, da, da. And I'm like, that fire going on within you. And I would, I would just make it super relatable. So in Bali, I would literally, I was living with a Balinese family in the jungle. And all I would do, they thought I was crazy. I would just write all the time. Like these, I had all these Ayurvedic like textbooks and I would just like translate it into English. It's hilarious. <laughs> Um, and then, yeah. And then eventually that became, I thought it was going to be like an ebook on my website. I thought it was going to be like 50 pages. So then it became a hundred pages. Then it became, no, that's like not even a 10th of it. I had over a thousand pages of stuff that I had written, edited with my own money. I would hire editors to go through it. Then I hired like graphic designers, got the cover, got everything made that it was like a ready done book. And it was called Eat Right for Your Mind Body Type. Mind you, I did not know a single person with a book. I didn't know a literary agent. I didn't even know the process to get a book published. But I was like, no, 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 this book needs to be at Barnes and Nobles. Like it can't just be on my Eat Feel Fresh website. Right. It needs to be out there. But I had no idea how that was gonna happen. So. I just kept, kept with it, like kept on figuring out, okay, like studying everything. How does a literary process work? How could things like that? And also like envisioning and manifesting and like saying yes to any situation, because maybe I would meet someone who knew someone with a book and then I could ask that person. Yeah. And we mentioned Tara Mackey because my friend knew Tara and Tara had a book. So I like sent her a random DM. I'm like, Hey, you have a book. Like, can you tell me how like that was? And she was so nice. She was like, yeah, you need a literary agent. I was like, Oh damn, I didn't know about that part. So Basically, Wait, are you with Bill? No, no, no. her name's okay. Marilyn. Yeah, okay. I was like, do we have the same agent? Because no. be Tara crazy. and I do. Okay, no, yeah. no, no. Okay. Um, so I later met another friend, Maria, who introduced me to her literary agent, which is how I got mine. And I had a ready book. I was like, this is, should be easy to sell. No, it wasn't this book. It was Eat Right for Your Mind Type. Oh, completely different book. Oh my goodness. So. She was like, okay, I'll represent you. This is is, is different stuff. So that book was about eating. It was about, because, you know, I came from the food background. So it was about, and I studied sports nutrition. So it was merging Ayurveda with sports nutrition. So comparing vata, pizza, kapha to endomorph, ectomorph, mesomorph. And lots of like nutritional analysis and GMOs and like very food and science based too. So she's like, okay, I'll send it to all these publishers. And I'm just getting no after no after no. They're like, people don't buy books anymore. You're not a published author. Like even published authors, they're not even getting second book deals. And especially a book about nutrition, people like books with a lot of pictures. So like, can you make it into a cookbook? Like maybe then we'll talk to you. So I was like, okay. I like signed up for culinary school. I was like, I will do anything to get this book deal. Like anything. So, um... 
I was like trying to figure out how this is gonna work. And the day after I finally signed the document that I'm gonna work with this agent, though we did not have the book deal, she gets a call from Penguin Random House, randomly. And they're like, hey, the Idiot's Guide group, which is an, it's under Penguin Random House, mm -hmm. under DK Books. They're like, we're looking to write an Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda. Do you happen to know anyone? And she's like, oh, well, I just, you know, signed with this author who writes Ayurveda books. Like, if you want, I can put you in contact. They're like, yeah, no, we need like an Ayurveda expert, like someone who's definitely written books about Ayurveda before. And, and she was like, well, she like wrote this kind of self-published book that she hasn't put out, but like, maybe I'll just put you in contact. So they basically emailed me and they're like, so normally Idiot's Guides, you have six months to write it. It's a very, very specific process. Like you have to outline everything down to the paragraph before you have it written and it can't go off. So it's not like what I was doing, like how do the Ayurveda Rishis want to come through me? Yeah. No, it wasn't, it wasn't, it like wasn't that. that. It was like, so they were like, we had an author and she was four months in and she quit because it was too hard. So you would have two months to finish this and it needs to be 464 pages. Like they gave me a, a page number. And each chapter has to be this many, like 15 pages, and every page and a half has to have this very specific, which is so not the way my mind operates. I'm like very like, like feminine, let yeah. it flow. And this was like the most masculine thing ever. So they were like, yeah, um, this is the table of contents she had. What edits would you make if you were to make any? And if not, you can just say, it's fine. You have a week to do it. So I look through it and I'm like, honestly, I would not want to learn Ayurveda like this. Like she started with like the koshas and all the spiritual stuff. And like in my own journey, it started with food. And once I started feeling better, it got into the spiritual. And she went like super far into like random things that you just don't need to know about, but then skipped like home remedies and things that would actually apply to your everyday life. So since I have been, had been writing about Ayurveda for like three, four years by then and living and breathing it, I just knew how to teach it well. So that day I used my channeling source to create an entirely new table of contents front to cover and I sent it back to them that night. And this is like, you can see there's like uh, 20 something chapters in there and down to like the paragraph, I yeah. had it all done. And that's why I truly believe the book you were meant to write will come through you. So they were like, okay, that was really fast. Um, we wanna see your kind of, your tone of writing though. And Idiot's Guides, it's a specific tone. So this is what they look like. And at that time I had like went to the Barnes and Nobles, I read every Idiot's Guide. I was like, I'm gonna become the master, the master of the Idiot's of Guides. This type <laughs> the of book, Idiot's yes. master, yeah. So they were like, you have a week to write the first chapter. Now writing is much harder than just a table of contents. But again, that day I wrote the first chapter and I sent it back. Two days after getting that call, I got hired to write the book. So I had two months to stick to that, that table of contents that I wrote to write this introductory textbook for the world for Ayurveda. Oh my so I was like, okay, wow. Um, wasn't preparing for all of this. But that's the beautiful part of having a masculine side that you can tap into that. So I was doing a lot of Pitta things. Like I was going to boot camp workout classes, which I normally do not do. I was drinking coffee, which I normally do not do. I was purposely trying to bring up my pitta because my pitta is very low naturally. I'm like super vata and kapha because that's what I needed. And every single day I had a chapter. I will not go straight from this chapter and I will write it front to end. So I actually finished the book in a month and a half. What? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, and I mean, it's not that I, I knew all of this material before, and having written the book, that first book, 
now I realize was like my prep. It was like my Ayurveda college. It yeah. was like teaching me how to be able to write this text and talk in this language and like, you know, also for them to have trust in me. But that book is still not released. Wow. Yeah. Well, that'll be book two. Well, no, because now they want to give me a cookbook deal. <laughs> they're, they're really going home about the cookbook. That is so yeah. awesome. Well, yeah. and so, and now, you know, we, we can tell the listeners uh, that this book, it's called The Idiot's Guide as easy as it gets yeah. to Ayurveda. Yeah, it's actually, well, just called Ayurveda, but it's under the Idiot's Guide. I mean, right now, if you just look up Ayurveda, like anywhere, it's just the first thing that will come up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And it's a bestseller. Yeah, it's the number one bestselling book on Ayurveda in the world. So in India, in Everywhere. all the countries. It's so it's so nuts because it came out like a week ago, like last Tuesday. Oh my goodness, I'm so excited. And for the people listening to this podcast, uh, we will be giving away this book to the first five people that send Rosie at radicallyloved.com an email saying, I want the Ayurveda book. Yeah. Do it now and uh, you'll win a copy. We'll mail it to you. Yeah. Okay, so sorry, little plug there. Um, <laughs> I want to ask you a ton of questions, obviously, like, and I want to be respectful of your time because I we've already been hanging out for like a while. Oh, the like, listeners I, don't I know time. This, don't worry. <laughs> so, um, it, so Deepak Chopra wrote the foreword. Tell us about how did you meet him? Like, how did that? That happen? was. I mean, it just depends. Like, how long of a story do you want me to go into? Because I can really go into it. Um, so my whole life, when I was growing up, like people are like, what do you want to be? Like, who's your role model? I mean, when I was a little kid, it was like Spice Girls and Baywatch. But like, as soon as I started to learn, I was like Deepak Chopra. And they were like, huh? Like what? Because my mom would like watch him on TV and I just loved his voice and I just like loved him. And they're like, why? And I'm like, I just love Deepak. And it's so weird because when I would go to Iran, where my family's from, my relatives would be like, does she hang out with all Indian people? They're like, no, why? They're like, she talks in an Indian accent. And growing up, I was always called Hendi, which in Farsi means Indian girl. I ate with my hands. I look extremely Indian, like always drawn to anything India. Like I started practicing yoga when I was 12, became vegetarian, like was reading all of Gandhi's texts, like wanted to, yeah, like my dream was to go work in Mother Teresa's like Calcutta yeah, school for the, the lepers. For, yep. And that's why I left to India and I was volunteering, teaching health and sanitation in the slums. So like India was just like always super coming through me. It was your past Oh, life, oh my gosh. Yeah. I talk about it on the podcast a lot, but yes, like all the past lives were there. Um, so as I was writing this book, I was like, you know, the ultimate person to have to like write a cover quote or something would be Deepak Chopra. But thinking like, that's like one of my crazy, crazy wishes. You know, he's like Oprah. Like, how could I ever meet him? But everyone that I would meet, like, I'd somehow, like, sneak in, like, so, like, do you know anyone that knows Deepak Chopra? Like, anyone. Like, I was, like, obsessed. Like, if he's listening, I was your stalker. <laughs> so, which I've already told him before. But, so... My friends were just like literally thought I was like the biggest fangirl in the world. Like I would like watch all his like Facebook lives this, just Google his name, look at everything. And I joined this like online group called The Moon Club with Ruby. Do you know her? She wrote Material Girl Mystical World. She's awesome. So she started this online like Facebook group called Moon Club and it's like connecting to your moon. So I joined this group and in the group I met this like guy, the one guy that was in it. And he was like this super awesome guy. And we became like internet buddies. And then I was going to New York for my friend's book signing. And he's like, hey, like, do you want to meet up? Stranger from the internet. 
So I was like, okay. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, did not know what to expect. And, um, so he was like, okay, like, I'm going to this, like, yoga and science conference. Like, do you want to come? I'm like, uh, I don't know. Like, the tickets are really expensive. He's like, yeah, the guy said if you post on your Instagram story, like, you can come for, like, for free, like, as a following thing. I was like, okay, sure. So I'm going to this yoga and science conference. And the conference is, it was a really beautiful conference. It was about, like, how... Now with like research and theory, they're proving how great yoga is and how good breathing is. And it was like very like analytical. It was at like um, Long Island University or something. Mm -hmm. So it was great. But again, that's just not really my style. I'd much rather like just practice yoga and experience the benefits than like learn why, why? it's so beneficial. Right, right. Oh, I agree. So I was like, it was almost time for the lunch break. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to go after this. And I remember in my head thinking like, the only thing that can make me want to stay right now is if Deepak Chopra walks on stage. And he was not part of it. He's not listed anywhere, like nothing. This is just my fangirling thoughts. Right. So they're like, okay, now it's time for the lunch. Oh, and here's our sponsor, Deepak Chopra. And he walks on stage. And my spirit guides were like, girl, this is it. Go, go, go. <laughs> so I'm in a crowd of a thousand people. It's an auditorium. And it's like Deepak Chopra just walked on stage. Everyone's going up to him, wanting to take pictures of him, this, that. I just walk on down, I walk up the stage, I walk onto the stage next to him, and I just like wait, like as if I know him, and then I'm like, hi Deepak, like my name is Sahara, I just wrote this book, my book wasn't out, The Idiot's Guide to Ayurveda, and I would love to send it to you, you've been such an influence on my life, by the way, like your son goes to school with my aunt's kid, and I went to your daughter's thing, and I like start telling all the ways that I've like stalked his life, and he's like, Okay, very nice. Like, <laughs> okay, you send me email. So he gives me his email address, and I'm like, oh, I have his email. <laughs> it's like not Deepak Ajay, it's like his real email. And I was like, oh my god. So um, I'm telling my friend this, and like my friend that I just met, he was like, that's so amazing. Like, what are you gonna do? I was like, okay, I'm just gonna like send him the book just so he like gets to know me. He was like, okay, that's great. So then I'm like, you know what? This is like the chance I have to ask him to write the cover quote. But I was like, I just met him for not even five minutes. How can I ask someone that I don't know to write a quote to my book that he hasn't read? This is crazy. But I was like, something else was like, if it's now or never, like you'll send him the book, it's gonna be out in a few months, he's not gonna remember you then, you're gonna be one of the million books he probably gets all the time. Yeah. Just ask him. The worst he can say is no, no. and you, you already don't have the cover quote. So I was like, hi, Mr. Chopra, like, so great to meet you today. Like, here's the PD. I didn't have the physical book to even send him. It hadn't this, even been printed this. yet. It's this book, yeah. The Idiot's Guide. So I told, I mean, like, I think that it was published by Penguin Random House, and it's, like, the official Idiot's Guide. It was right. like, I'm not some stranger from the street. Right, right. But, so I was like, here's the PDF of the book, and, like, you've been so influential to me. Your book, Perfect Health, was the first book I ever read about Ayurveda, and it would mean so much to me to have you write a cover quote because you are really the pioneer in the subject and to have like you introduce it to people would really just be like a perfect like full circle. So he takes a look at it and the next day he was like, yeah, I love it. I'll, I'll write you a cover quote. And I was like, oh my God, like what? Like what just happened? Like craziness and he was like yeah I'd love and then he's like emailing me and he's like I love how you added the yoga poses and the meditation and like mindfulness and like he actually read my book and in a day of course he of did course he yeah, did. yeah. <laughs> he probably like of course. his mind went yeah. through the book he literally just went like speed read and like 
Yeah. Totally remembered. And he was like, yeah, like, I love what this is all about. And like, I love that you're like so young and doing this. So, and he was like, yeah, and I have this other project that I'm doing called Jaya, which is this like social network that he created about like mindfulness. It's like an app and website. He's like, yeah, like maybe we can like interlink with that too. So I was like, what? Like, not only does he want to write the cover quote, but he like wants to collaborate with me on like other things. So then he's like, yeah, like, when are you, I told him I lived in LA. He's like, okay, I'm going to be in LA on Monday. Like, come meet me. We'll have a meeting. You can meet the team. We'll see if it's a good fit. So then I, I literally, so I got back on Sunday night and I just got in my car Monday morning and I just drove straight to San Diego to like meet him. I just like stayed in a hotel by myself that night, just like did it. And it was crazy. So he invited me to this lecture. He does four hour lectures, four hours of him talking at once, which is just crazy. So that whole time I'm like shaking. I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to talk to him after this, but it was amazing to be able to see him talk and be acquainted with his energy. And then afterwards he, then that's when the interview started. How did you start this? Like starts asking me the questions because he's like a doctor and he wants to know, how are you at that conference? How did you get there? Like he wanted to know everything Everything. about me. Yeah. And then I answered and he was like, I love it. I want to write a forward to your book. I was like, D-Rock likes me. (laughs) So yeah. And then that week he wrote the forward to the book, which is just like, you know, I thought like maybe one day in my whole entire life after 50 years of writing something like that could happen, but not like my first published book. But it just shows like when your vibration's there, the universe will give you what you need. That's it. And that I really don't think even it's about me because the reason he wrote the forward is to give people's trust so more people will read it. Yeah. It's so this work can be seen to more people. I'm just a vessel to it just as he is. And right now we are just faces of it, but it's the material that's doing all the work right now. We're just yeah. kind of, it's pawns. <gasps> I love that yeah. so much. Yeah. Oh my goodness. That is like, yes, you're absolutely right. And I mean, look, this was you. You did all the work for this. Like you deserve all the when accolades. I, when I read through it, I'm like, wow, that's great advice. It's like, I like it's like, you it's like I wasn't there yeah, yeah. because when I was writing it, it was just coming through. And yeah. with Ayurveda, I know I, in my past life, I was a Rishi because whenever someone has a question on it, even if it's something I didn't read, I just know the answer. It like for Ayurveda, for some people, it's so confusing for me. It's just made sense from day one. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really, I want to talk about that because I mean, I know you talk about like the, you know, energy and like the being the channel and like manifestation. And so I really, I want to talk about that because the people listening and a lot of the, the, the people who, um, I interact with in regard to, you know, this podcast, it, we talk about, um, changing your energy or changing your perspective or being able to, um, manifest the things that you want in life. So obviously this story that everyone just heard now is a perfect example of how she did this, how you were able to make this happen. So, so let's talk about that. Number one, how, what, what are your beliefs about manifestation? And number two, like, how do you manifest the things that you want in your life? So I believe that it's not that what you think happens, it's the level that you vibrate at. And you can think about all the money in the world, but if it's like, oh, I need money, I need money, I need money, it's the world here is I need, I need, I'm not enough, I'm not complete. Mm. So no amount of saying, I need the money, I need the money is going to work. It's lifting your vibration so you're vibrating at that level of getting the money or whatever it is that you want. 
And I also believe the universe will only work out for you if it's for the highest good of the planet, not just you. If it's for your own personal gain and no one else's, it's not gonna work out. It worked out for this because this book is going to change lives and it is changing lives. And that's why it worked because it's not for me, it's for everyone. Mm. So I love that. Yeah. What kind of tips can you give the listeners out there in regard to uh, how to manifest something? Like what would be the steps? Being super, super aware of everything around you. So for example, like if you have any friends, that was a big one, friends that are bringing down your vibration, like their life is not in alignment with how you would want to live your life. Even just being, even if you think you're just giving them advice, if you're constantly and constantly giving someone advice, like, no, you really shouldn't do this. You really should do this. You really should. Da, 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 it's draining you. So being super just conscious about like, where is my energy going? So like letting go of friends, changing my home environment. Is this the place that I would put, you know, like Saraswati is the goddess that really comes through me. Is this where I would want Saraswati to live? Like when I moved to LA, I lived in my grandparents, like extra room. I didn't even have any art on the wall. I would just kind of wake up, leave, and then come back at night to sleep because I hated it there. And I'm like, is that how I would treat a goddess? Like, you know, this is like your little motel. No. So creating that like auric space and, you know, little things that bring down our vibration yeah. every day. Like today I was, so every day I walk, the front of my house is uh, the ocean. Like I live right on ocean app. It's beautiful. But to get to the yoga studio, it's right behind my house. I can just walk through an alley. So every day I walk through the alley, like whatever. It's like 30 seconds shorter. And I walk through that alley, that alley, there's garbage cans everywhere. There's like homeless people pee in there. There's like a burger place and it's like their vent goes in there and it smells like rotten animal and it's like disgusting. And every day I walk through that and I hold my breath and I'm like, oh, uh, uh, like just get through this. And then today I was like, wait, why don't I just take 30 more seconds and just go around? Because every single day I'm lowering my vibration by just going through that alley when it's not necessary. It's not like I have to go through this alley. It's not helping anyone. It's just for me to think I'm saving 30, 30 seconds, but really for me to overcome that, it's taking me way longer than 30 seconds. Yeah. So if something's not in your control, you'll have to you know, elevate it or deal with it. But something like this, just making your life harder, it's not necessary. And little things like that make you better at manifesting. It's mm -hmm. the little things like that that make the bigger picture yeah, happen. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's sage advice. Sage advice. Let's talk about Ayurveda. Yeah. So for the people listening right now, obviously they're going to have to get this book because there's just, this is the encyclopedia. This yeah. Is this is the encyclopedia that we... I mean, there's definitely been, you know, great encyclopedias for people who really want to go into more traditional Ayurveda, like Dr. Vasant Laud has a lot of great stuff. Deepak Chopra's Perfect Health is a good, like more introductory one. This one is like, if you want to learn about Ayurveda and in... The language that we're talking in because the problem that I had when I was studying Ayurveda is I didn't relate to any yeah. of the books and I didn't relate to any of the suggestions. So I was a raw vegan. So how can I go from being a raw vegan to eating rice and ghee and only cooked foods for the rest of my life? It's not going to happen. So for me, Ayurveda was just archaic, doesn't make sense, just kind of put in the back burner, but I had really bad health problems. I stopped menstruating for over a year. I had IBS. I had like anxiety, feeling cold all the time, fainting all the time, like all of the vata imbalance mm -hmm. things because of my raw vegan diet. Yeah. But 
I didn't want to switch to only eating doll for the rest of my life either, you oh, know? I love doll. So, but like for me, I mean, it <laughs> yeah. was also like, like the fear of like, oh my God, I'll get super yeah. fat or like, it's so, I don't like feeling heavy. So I was like, how can there be an in-between of like incorporating the Ayurvedic suggestions? Maybe I can eat quinoa instead of rice. Maybe I can have sweet potatoes. Maybe I can add tahini. Like, does your diet have to be only Indian to be Ayurvedic? I believe, right. no. The Ayurveda, the rishis grew up in India. They lived in ancient India. So the system of healing was designed for the people that live around them. But we can take that advice. It's just like you can take the advice of the Bible or the Torah and make it work for you. So that's what, I mean, with this book, I really tried to, I have all of the Ayurvedic information, but I always write through it. I'm like, do what resonates with you. Like, don't stop listening to your own body compass because that's what Ayurveda is about, listening to yourself. Don't stop listening to yourself so you can listen to Ayurveda. That doesn't make sense. Right, right. (laughs) And I think that that's such a key thing in regard to just our overall health and well-being is to create a clear conduit of listening and, and of knowing what's working for our bodies and what's not working and for our bodies. And it's tough because your body doesn't always know what's right for you. And the more in tune you become, the more it does. But at the beginning, it doesn't. So I like to think of it like a pendulum swinging in both ways. And one way is like balance and one way is like imbalance, out of balance. And the more balanced you are, the more you naturally crave the foods and lifestyle practices yeah. that like bring you into balance. Like when you have a really good week that you're eating really clean, you like want more clean food. Like why would I go back to the ice cream Sundays? But then one weekend of late night pizza and, you know, brunches and mm-hmm. booze and all that stuff. You're like, you know what? Maybe I, I don't need the steamed vegetables. Like maybe I'll just, I already messed up. And that pendulum swings and you go out to out of balance. So you think your body craves, I can't live without coffee. I can't live without chocolate. I can't live without bread. But really, it's coming from a place of imbalance. imbalance. Yeah. 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 When you're out of balance, you're going to crave more of the imbalance. Exactly. Right? Um, there's so much. And I and I love, and I'm by no means, I'm t- a total novice to Ayurveda. I mean, it's definitely something that I've, I've studied and through yoga teacher training and yeah. through, I'm a yoga teacher trainer and, you know, studying these practices for the last decade. Right. You know, I, I definitely am very familiar with it, but I'm not like... Well, that's something that I think, you know, yoga teachers are like the prime people who should be the teachers of this, but there hasn't really been a book and there hasn't been a language to allow yoga teachers to teach it to other people. So it's like, I think all yoga teachers have heard of it, but they didn't really fully understand it. It wasn't explained well enough because just the yoga teacher is told to sort of be like, right. there's three doshas and uh, figure it out. Take and a quiz online. Yeah. Here, yeah take, <laughs> take the Deepak Chopra, like quiz. find your dosha yeah. And like, that's like you know, the more and more you learn about the doshas, you realize that we are all, all three of them just in varying amounts and it changes over time. And like the quiz is just like the, it's like the way to get you in. Like the quiz that I have on my website, I separate the results of the mind and body because I have found that people get one overarching answer. They're like, well, I kind of relate to this in my body, but not in my mind. So people can get the best idea of where they are now. Their vikruti, which is their Mm, doshic state today. I've separated the results between the mind and the body and I've like mm-hmm. breaking it down into percentages. But I also say, this is what your dosha is now. If you come back and take it in a month, it's going to be different. You take it in the winter, it's going to be different because your doshas are an ever-changing and like energy. Mm-hmm. It's your prakriti, the dosha constitution you were born with, that's like your DNA. That's like the deck of cards you were handed with. So the two always need to be in balance. Yeah, so it's like if you you're... Prakriti is different than your Vikruti, which mm-hmm. most most of the time it right. will be. Yeah. The goal then is to get back to 
your property. Your, yeah. yeah. Or at least make sure you're, you're not out of balance. So when you're out of balance, you're experiencing negative symptoms. Like if you're not experiencing any negative symptoms, great. great. You're one in a million, but then it's fine. You know, you can continue essentially what you're doing, but if you're eating food, you feel bloated, gassy, acidic, tired, these are all signs then that something's off. So if it's like bloating, gas, constipation, air, that's Vata. Follow the Vata things. If it's hyperacidity, heartburn, ulcers, that sort of thing, like a sharp metallic feeling, that's Pitta. If it's just heaviness, you just want to take a nap after and you just keep gaining weight and you can't help it, that's a Kapha imbalance. So the, the reason that it shows up as an imbalance is because your body was not meant to be that way. No one was born meant to be bloated or meant to be super overweight. That's something that your diet and lifestyle is creating. But some of us naturally tend to be bigger boned. Some of us are naturally more athletic. Some of us are naturally thin and that's your property. And your property will tell you which imbalances you're more likely to have the thin person is more likely to have the gas and the bloating and constipation because they're dry and cold. The athletic person is more likely to have a really sharp appetite, but also have the acidity because their bodies are digesting and breaking things down, which is why they're like the person in yoga class and like a handstand doing like chaturanga push-ups totally, totally. between everything. Like it's like Shavasana. It's like you just see them doing push-ups in the back. Like yeah, just that's the pitta it. right there. The, the Vata is like doing like some dancer's pose. Like just like <laughs> totally. making something up. Like just dancing doing in the corner. extra back bends and yeah. stuff. Yeah. And then like the cough is just like, you know, um, child's pose, yeah. this one. Yeah. The whole time we're just like already in Shavasana. Exactly. So that, I mean, in a yoga practice, you can see the doshas come to play so much. Like all the time. And that's yeah. what fascinates me me the most because I can be in a class and be like pitta pitta vata kapha you know it's like right. I, can, I can start to see that and I've always been really like fascinated with people that take this study and, and make it a profession you know mm -hmm. because I think it's so fascinating and I think that it's a science that is um under uh glorified yeah i mean it was the main medical system in india for thousands of years until the british rule and they were like wait this is barbaric and weird like you heal things with plants no and that's why it went underground and it went down to kerala which is like in south india and that's the mm -hmm. safe haven of it but it's actually from north india and it was like every doctor was ayurvedic but now when you go to india you there most doctors are totally totally western like you have a little bit of a cough like antibiotics because ayurveda is like a, a dying, dying art even yeah. in india so my real hope is this book can come back to india and inspire people and i'm so happy that it's being sold there and a lot of like my followers and stuff they're like yeah like ayurveda was like the thing my grandma would talk about and i never took seriously but i'm trying to make it cool again yeah, so. yeah well especially like for for me growing up my grandmother was very like she uh, immigrated from Peru to Mexico where she met my dad's dad and like, but she comes from very indigenous. Everything was like tinctures mm -hmm. and prayers and ritual. And so like when we were little, we got sick, we had a tea and we had like herbs and we had Love. different prayers that she would do. Mm -hmm. And that's how I experienced medicine. Mm -hmm. So when I started to learn about Ayurveda and like, it's so similar, like it, shamanism and Ayurveda and all of these ancient traditional practices, yeah. like the elements, that's what that's heals right. us. Yeah. And our environment too is so key to that. So, um, I just have a couple more questions before we wrap, because mm -hmm. I obviously, I feel like we didn't even talk about like the questions that I want to ask you, we haven't even like gone into, Okay, let's go. but I want to be respectful <laughs> of your time. So, 
for your own, what's your own personal practice look like? Like what's your self-care ritual? So for me, tongue scraping is a really big one. I will travel, I will go everywhere with that tongue scraper. Like once you start tongue scraping, you're like, how did I not do this before? Cause this is gross. I know. So tongue scraping, oil pulling is something I try to practice, but I'm not like, I need to oil pull. Like I feel like the tongue scraping is like a must. Yeah. Do you want to tell people really quick what um, oil pulling is? So oil pulling is basically Ayurvedic mouthwash. It's basically putting a spoon of oil in your mouth, rinsing your mouth with it and spitting it out. You can do it anywhere from one minute up to 20 minutes. A lot of people here, you have to do it for 20 minutes and that scares them and that's why they don't do it. But you'll still experience benefits even with one, with one minute. You can work your way up. But even in India, they were like, yeah, I can be three, five minutes. They had not heard about this 20 minute rule that like Westerners have like made up with That's oil pulling. Yeah, so when you do like antibacterial mouthwash, like Listerine or something, it kills both the good and the bad bacteria. It kills everything. Just like taking an antibiotic kills the good and bad bacteria in your gut. So what happens is the bad bacteria has no good bacteria that's blocking it and it will thrive because bad bacteria is stronger than good bacteria. Mm -hmm. It has to be overpopulated. So when you take Listerine every day, the reason you become addicted to it is because your breath starts to smell really bad when you're not using it. So you have to keep using it. Whereas with oil pulling, it's like getting all of the bad stuff out because oil can go much deeper into like the pores of your tongue and in the cracks between your gums than water can, anything that's water-based. That's why now people are, you know, using oil on their skin. Or even if you have wood, if you clean wood with oil, you'll get deep into that wood's pore cells. Whereas if you clean it with water, it's just surface level. Mm -hmm. So that's why oil pulling and oil in general is like so essential in Ayurvedic practices. They use you know, there's nausea, which is like to put oil in your nose just to like lubricate your nose mm -hmm. because your nose is connected to your brain. And if your nose is full of mucus, you're not going to have clear breath, clear prana, which is your insight. So um, they do the neti pot, which is like a little pot. You can get them now anywhere, which is you put water up one nostril and it basically funnels down through the other. So if you ever have a sinus infection or something, that will really help you. And then you follow it up by nas with nausea. So you just put some oil in your nose. So these are not practices you have to do every day. I write all of them in the book, but it's like pick and choose what resonates right. with you. Dry brushing is another one, taking like a dry like loofah and scraping your skin. And the reason it's more effective than like when you're in a shower and it's wet is because when your skin is dry, it's way easier to break off all the dead skin cells. Whereas when it's wet, it kind of mushes in and it's like, you know, if, when you have dry skin, you can literally go like this and you can see flakes come off. So with the dry brush, you're removing it you follow it up with oil because your pores are open and that penetrates in your entire system. So if you have so a more hot body, more of a pitta body, coconut oil. If you have more of a cool body, vata pitta, sesame oil. I love that. Okay, I'm sorry. Let's go back to your ritual. So we were oil pulling. Do you do the scrub too? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So yeah, I do all like, so in the morning I'll definitely tongue scrape and like, you know, meditation. I drink a lot of like turmeric, ashwagandha. I make all sorts of different like herbal teas according to what I need, according to the season. Um, so ashwagandha is an Ayurvedic adaptogen. So basically it, it translates to whatever your body needs at that time. So if you're stressed, it's gonna make you less stressed. If you have a hormonal imbalance like I did, it will help with the hormonal imbalance. And a little goes a long way. People are like, oh, like it's expensive. You literally one sixteenth of a teaspoon. It's medicine. You really don't need that much. It's not a full teaspoon, which is what a lot of these things say. You don't mm. need that much. Um, I like C making something called CCFT, 
cumin, coriander, fennel seeds. So half a teaspoon cumin, half a teaspoon coriander, half a teaspoon fennel, four cups hot water, let it steep. What I do is I just do it at night and I just like turn, I like boil water, put it in there, turn it off, go to sleep. So in the morning, it's been super steeped. It's like spiced water. Put in a thermos, wherever I go, I get some hot water and I add it to that. So it's like my little on the go tea. And it's like saves you so much money because you don't have to like go buy tea. You don't have to buy coffee. It's like your Ayurvedic drink on the go. Or if I'm at an airport, I'll just get asked for hot water and I'll put cinnamon in it. Because cinnamon is so good for stabilizing your blood sugar. And it's like, again, a free Ayurvedic tea. Yeah, there you go. Oh, I love, that's perfect because I travel all the time, you know? So that for me is like, and I love cinnamon. I usually travel with, um, Rishi Tea makes this uh, turmeric ginger tea mm-hmm. yeah. and they're like one of the sponsors of the tour and oh, so I've cool. got like an endless supply. Amazing. I'll give you some actually yes. so you can try it but it's so good and like I usually carry those packets with me and like I just go to the airport or wherever I'm at like I get hot water and I put it in my thermos. And then... Totally. Yeah I mean with turmeric it's so anti-inflammatory yeah. if you're flying all the time. Also you need, you need to make sure your vata is still balanced. Because when, you're, when your body is in movement, even if you're sitting in a plane, it's still in movement, movement. and you're not grounded, you're in the air. It's like the opposite of grounding. You're, so your vata will, in, vata easily goes out of balance. About 60% of all imbalances come from vata. So at something at the surface looks like vata, but your prakriti might be, you know, you have more pitta in you. I can just tell from the shape of your face. But... But your Calling vata is right going to be out of balance yeah. because um, of this movement. A, I always have a vata imbalance. Always. Yeah. Like my stuff's always like But it's up. because your, your prakriti, the dosha you were born with, is more pitta. How can mm-hmm. I tell that? You have an angular face, just the shape of your face, even your body structure. You're probably just naturally good at sports and stuff. I don't know if you put on muscle pretty easily. Some, yeah, I mean, if I'm working out like that, I do. Yeah. And do you have like a strong appetite? Like... Yeah, food. Yeah, I love food. It's all I eat pitta. all the time. Yeah, <laughs> like, Whereas, I'm a, but I have to like watch it because I also have a Latin gene, which whatever some people think it's like BS, but I'm like, no, I love to. I used to be almost 200 pounds when I was in high school. Oh, like, really? I was a big girl, mm. but it, because of the medication and I was eating McDonald's every day, exactly. like that's what happened. Yeah. And then once I got, you know, I cleaned up my diet and I got healthier, then everything like regulated and it changed. Right. You know, and so, so now yeah. you had feels, a coffee imbalance at yeah. the time. Yeah. And now everything feels like it's more imbalanced as far as like my physicality and like I'll fluctuate, you know, mm-hmm. which I'm totally fine with. Mm-hmm. What I'm not okay with is energetically what happens when I'm right. constantly on the go, especially mm-hmm. with traveling and stuff. So, yeah. and I can always tell when Vata gets out of balance because I feel like, like, I, everything needs to be fast. I need to do this fast. And For it's sure. just like motion, 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 For motion. Sure. And that can that can be a great, a beautiful thing. Out of Vata comes ideas, comes creativity. You know, like Steve Jobs, he's like a textbook Vata. Like, look at him. He's yeah. like skinny and tall, which is like the Vata body. And he's like <laughs> yeah. super creative and eccentric. He's like the, the Vata. Yeah. But what happened is he definitely did not have a grounding practice. He definitely, you know, you watch movies about him. He wasn't in touch with people's needs and things like that. And mm-hmm. that's what happens when it goes out of balance. You're like energy is way up here in the higher chakras when you really need to like root down. Yeah. Man, like I said, I'm like, I want to keep you here forever. <laughs> and I, and I am going to after we're done here. Cause I have some questions personally, but, um, 
I just want to ask you the last final questions and um, I definitely want to have you on again because yeah. I think that this is like, I want to continue to help. Or we'll spread. just do a live one. Like, you people know, just come ask us questions and we talk should. to us. Yeah. yeah, I think it'll be great. Um, so I created Radically Loved as a forum for people to come to, to get inspired or to just gather more knowledge for the seekers out there or people that just needed support and mm -hmm. wanted to hear about people's journeys, you know. Uh, it's this idea that we are completely supported and um, held and loved by uh, source, yeah. God, goddess, baby Buddha, whatever God of your understanding. Um, we're radically loved, right? So the questions to you, it's two questions. The first one is, how do you feel radically loved? And what do you radically love? Okay. Well, I feel radically loved when I feel connected to my spirit guides, to my highest self. And that doesn't show up like there's these voices in my head like, hey girl, do this. It's when I know what to say without having to think about it, like right now. Like I'm not thinking and I'm just talking. And that's when I feel so loved because I feel like something's just coming through me and speaking the words for me. And that's how I feel when I podcast and that's how I feel when I write. It's just this greater message that's just using me. And it's such a beautiful experience because your words become perfect in a way that your mind couldn't have thought of. And that's when you know you're connected to your own source. So that makes me feel very loved. And what do I radically love? I love that people are waking up to this. I love that this isn't on the fringe anymore. When I started writing my Ayurveda six years ago, no one knew what it was at all. And to see that now it's like, like people without me telling them, they're like, of course I know what Ayurveda is like that. I just love that. I love that we're living in this week. I think we live in the most amazing time ever. Like people focus on the bad. We live in the greatest time. Like we have the internet, we can connect each other. We have these smartphones anywhere we go. They give us directions. We can see nice pictures on them. Like it's so cool being alive and all of our souls chose to be alive at this time for a reason. So we must use these resources and use them to bring the sacred back and like use them as our source to be the voice that we wouldn't have been able to be if we were all just separated on our own. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Of course. It Thank was, you for having me. You are such a wise sage. <laughs> you really are. I'm so grateful for you and grateful for all the work that you did to make this happen. Thank you. Um, I'm so excited to be using this in my teacher training that yeah. I'm doing next year. It's going to be very exciting. Amazing. I'll come talk to you. Students. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, if you're serious, I'm really going yeah, to hold you to that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm so excited. Thank you so much. I'm so of happy course. to connect with you and I look forward to seeing what we create. Where can people connect with you? So my Instagram and all my socials are at I am Sahara Rose and you can go on I am Rose.com. That's where my dosha quizzes that you can take and all of the other, I would I also have a podcast, which I just interviewed you for, <laughs> Highest Self Podcast. So if you want to hear more from Rosie and her story, go over there and we'll definitely do more joint stuff together. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. Thank you so much for of doing course. this. I'm so happy. Hey everyone, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us, message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes, write a review. 
We love doing this, so please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.